Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom He died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the Scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the Word of God regardless of who gets offended or not. In Jesus' name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. In Luke chapter 6, verse 20, Jesus says this. He says, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 5, version of the Beatitudes, what we call the Beatitudes, Remember, Jesus gave many sermons and fed more than one group of thousands of people. See that there are differences there. Luke is not necessarily writing about the exact same sermon that Matthew was putting on record. In fact, this one is only four or five verses here. Luke chapter 6, verse 20 through 21. Let's take a look at that. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, what is he talking about poor there? Because Matthew 5, 3, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? But here he just says, blessed are uh, be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Let's keep reading, and I believe we'll get a little context here. Then he says, blessed are ye that hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil. For the Son of Man's sake, rejoice in that day, and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. But woe unto you that are rich, he says, verse 24, for ye have have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. So we have several, let's see, one, two, three, looks like three blesseds. Blessed are you poor, blessed are ye that hunger now, blessed are you when men shall hate you. And then, then he has rejoice in that day. Rejoice when these things are happening to you as you serve of the Lord. And this was so very applicable, if you will, in a practical sense. We saw it in the history that we read in Holy Scripture. And we're going to read a little bit in the New Testament other places here in a minute. But we're also going to see that now. And it's already happening around the world where, where believers are going to be persecuted. In fact, the mark of the beast is going to cause a lot of people's faith to be tested. If you take the mark of the beast, you cannot be saved, Revelation 13 and 14. And so, so true believers will not take the mark of the beast, and they're going to have to trust God by faith. And now would be the best time to cry out to God, beloved, go on a fast regularly to ask the Lord to help you to trust Him and to increase your faith. It might be this, the very prayer that saves your eternal 
soul. And I don't say that lightly at all. I believe that's Luke 17, 5, where the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. They asked Jesus. He did not rebuke them. That means it's a legitimate prayer that God honors. Yeah, that was Luke 17, 5. So Jesus says, blessed are the poor, ye poor, specifically ye, Blessed are ye that hunger now, blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh in the resurrection. See, you're dying to self now and suffering. In other words, you're weeping now. That's the death and burial. But later, you're going to laugh, not only temporarily, but forever. So, and let me draw your attention. We got so many rich scriptural messages on the website. One of them is called, Lord, Increase Our Faith. Just put in the word increase or increase our faith in the search box. Also, we have another one called Suffering Saints and the Savior. That's going to come into play here in a minute in our message today. Also, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. In other words, the resurrection is going to be much sweeter than the dying and burial, right? Jesus had to first go to Gethsemane before he went to the cross, and then he was raised up or resurrected and freed from the bonds of being in the flesh. And that's what's coming for every true born-again believer who also endures to the end. And you're going to hear us teach not only initial salvation, but final salvation, which is taught all the way through the Bible and especially in the New Testament. You have to endure to the end to be saved or everything is going to be lost. Doesn't matter whether or not you like it or not. That's what the Word of God states. And anybody who's not teaching that is a lying devil from the pit of hell. I can tell you that right now. Don't even get me going in that direction right now, but I'm going to make that statement. And as you listen to the Word of God on this podcast, and I want to ask you also to share it with others and also maybe do a review. If you're listening on Google Podcast, uh, Spotify, Apple, feel free to do a review, etc., and share it with others. But you're going to hear what we, as we endeavor to, to disclose the full counsel of God's Word, which clearly teaches that you've got to endure to the end to be saved. You've got to continue in the faith. Colossians 1, 23, you have to abide, which means to remain in Christ to the end, or you're going to be cast into the fire. That's what Jesus taught. John chapter 15, verse 6, Matthew 10, 22, and 24, 13, etc. All the apostles taught this. And you can find that not only all over the site. We've got a book, though, also a 730-page blockbuster called Lie of the Ages. And it is available on the bookstore at safeguardyoursoul.com. And let me say this while I'm at it. Thank you for those who are supporting. We've got about five to eight people supporting on a monthly basis basis. And I'll tell you what, we couldn't do what we're doing or be sustained as we are right now without them, without you. God bless you. And if you're being tempted to help, we would love to have your help. We are laborers together with God. First Corinthians chapter three, verse nine. We as the body of Christ to see the Lord's gospel ministered to saints and sinners alike in this late last hour, as we look so eagerly and with great joy for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So another one of these is better as the end of a thing. You can look this one up. It's a podcast. I'll tell you what, there's some deep truth right here in Ecclesiastes 7. You want to go deeper? Here you go, man. Right here. Again, just look up better is the end. Just put that in there. Put the word better. It'll come up just probably with that word in the search box on Safeguard Your Soul. Better is the end of a thing 
than the beginning thereof. Again, it's a biblical text and also a podcast. You're going to love it. It's going to help us realize, man, we shouldn't be looking for the party, man. We should be looking for the pit to be buried in, man, according to Ecclesiastes 7. You can't be raised up, beloved, unless you're going to submit to dying. We are crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. Also, we see that with Christ, crucified with Christ there, dead and buried with him there in Romans 6, which is such a cross chapter. When this revelation begins to hit you, beloved, and you begin to obey it, it's not just a concept. Some people I know have the concept of the cross, but are they really dying to self? None of us. I mean, I'm certainly not perfect at dying as I should, but there's got to be an obedience, man. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving your own selves. We got to go down deep into the death of Christ to taste and see of that resurrection grace. It doesn't just happen because you initially got saved. You've got to obey Jesus. And he said, if you're going to follow him, you got to deny yourself, take up your cross. There it is, death and burial, and follow him. There is no other way. There's no shortcut to following Jesus. So we're talking about blessed are ye poor. Luke 6 verse 20 is the beginning of our text. For yours is the kingdom of God. And then he says, blessed are ye that hunger now. You're going to be filled. That's death, burial, and resurrection right there. We see the death, burial, and resurrection encoded, if you will, divinely all the way through the Bible. It's on every page. Blessed are ye uh, that weep now. That's death and burial. The death of self is life, and the life of self is death. You know, I just got an email literally while I was doing this message from a dear brother named Derek. Listen to this. It's real short, but it's definitely a blessing. And it really shows that Brother Derek is getting the message of the cross internalized in his spirit by the Word and the Holy Spirit of God. Brother Derek just moments ago said this. He sent me an email, said, Dying to the flesh isn't easy at all when you really judge yourself. When you stay in the spirit, you see just how wicked your flesh really is. Thank God for his mercy, grace, and love. Unquote, Brother Derek. Now, I sent him a couple of verses as we often sometimes daily are communicating. And one of them was Zechariah 4, 6, which says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's not by the might or the power or the will of the flesh. But it's a compliance with God and an obedience, whether we understand it or not. Let's just face it, folks. We're not going to understand to the fullest. You know, we see through a glass darkly in this life as we study the Word of God. We seek the Lord for understanding, but we're not going to see it in all of its glory in this body. We do see through a glass darkly. We do understand the Word of God, but, you know, we've got to obey the Word of God. You know, in fact, nothing happens till we do, but be ye doers of the Word, right? James one twenty two, and not Hearers only, deceiving your own self. You know, the truth, it's not the truth that sets you free so much as it's you get set free when you obey the truth. See, that's what Jesus was saying there in John 8, 31 and 32. When he, some, many had believed on him, he said, if he didn't look at him and say, dude, y'all are once saved, always saved. Man, you're eternally secure. You're sealed to the end. You can never lose your salvation. Oh, no, no. That's nowhere taught in the Bible other than by the devil and his false prophets, beginning in the Garden of Eden. Anybody peddling that message is a devil, period. What do you call somebody that teaches a doctrine of devils other than a a false prophet and a devil himself? Doesn't matter how sweet he sounds, how many degrees he's got, or how big of a congregation. Listen, that stuff sells, man. That's what sells. You're preaching that once saved, always saved. Basically, it just becomes a big country club, 
Everybody's at ease in Zion, Amos 6-1, and nobody's fighting the good fight of faith. There's no fasting. There's no praying. There's no, the cross is nowhere to be found in that message. Why? Because these people mind earthly things. Their God is their belly. Their glory is in their shame, and they will be eternally destroyed, according to Philippians 3, verse 18 and 19, because they love this pleasant world, and they want to keep the wheels spinning. They want to perpetuate their own existence. They don't stand in the identity of Christ and his kingdom in the fear of the Lord, they're trying to just pay the bills and keep all the wheels oiled and rolling. And most people have no idea. But when you get in the word and you begin to obey the cross, the Lord Jesus and his cross message, you're going to have less and less in common with these Laodicean fake churches who are lukewarm. And Jesus said, all you got to do is to go to hell, to be spewed, be rejected like the five foolish virgins in Jesus's parable in Matthew 25, 1 through 13 is to become lukewarm after you are saved. And you're going to be vomited, spewed from his mouth. You know, it's kind of like a guy and a girl who are engaged to be married. Now, is the girl going to go through? Is the engaged lady actually going to go through with the marriage if this guy that she's engaged to, she realizes he's just really kind of lukewarm about me? No, no sane woman is going to marry him and vice versa. And that's what happened when Jesus shut the door in the face of the five foolish virgins who were lukewarm. They couldn't decide whether or not they really loved this bridegroom. And Jesus said, you made your decision. You're not with me. You're against me. Boom. So God isn't playing, folks. There is no neutral position. Jesus said, he that is not with me is against me. Luke 6, he's talking about who's blessed. And now he says to rejoice in that day. That is when you're reproached, you suffer persecution, you're lied about. Notice this. They cast out your name as evil. You ever have that happen? Of course you have if you walk in with Christ. They separate you, he says here, from their company. You're excluded, man. And then he says, rejoice when you see these things. This is proof that you're a child of God. Rejoice in that day and leap. Don't just rejoice. Leap for joy, man. Do a little dance for Jesus. I think we got a message on the website, safeguardyoursoul.com, called Do a Little Dance for Jesus. Just put in the word dance in the search box. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. Your reward's going to be great where it really counts. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. You know, the Apostle Paul said, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, they're temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. But the only way you can see them is to peer into the Word of God. And that's what we're doing right now. Notice verse 24. But woe unto you that are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, you have no need of anything, for you shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. I don't know about you. I want the end product of my existence to be on resurrection joy. I want to be one of these blessed saints Jesus is talking about, beginning in verse 20, who, though they weep now, they're going to laugh forever in the new Jerusalem with Jesus and all the saints of all ages. But those who put themselves first instead of Jesus, and it's shown in the way they spend their money, the way you spend your resources that God allowed to be put in your hands is a direct reflection of the priorities of your heart, and you cannot fool God. Be not deceived. 
God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The Apostle Paul said this, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. So woe to the rich. They already have their consolation because everybody was born naked and we're all going to die naked and go exactly where we belong, where we chose to go by the way we lived in this temporal world. Nobody's going to have a debit card or a paper dollar or any kind of, you know, what is the, you know, any kind of medium of exchange when you die. Cryptocurrency or Bitcoin, etc. No, when you die, man, that's it, dude. You're done. You could die today, by the way. And Jesus said, what good would it be for a man to gain the whole world, to gain everything, to own everything in the whole world, and lose his own soul. For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? If you're listening to this message and you are not 100% that you're going to go to heaven if you die today, the good news is that you can be, but you've got to act now. You've got to repent. You've got to do business with God. You've got to turn to God and tell him what he already knows because he sees everything that you've sinned against him. You've gone your own way. You've done things according to your own will, but now you're willing to settle out of court and to say, Lord, I'm a sinner, Father. You know it. I've lied. I've stolen. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. I've used your name in vain, Lord, and you're holy. And you said you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. I've had myself first and not you. You said you shall have no other gods before me. I bowed down to statues and images and paid homage to demon gods. And I'm coming to you right now as an idolatrous, sinful, adulterous, whoremongering, wicked person. And I'm asking you through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth and born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the altar of the cross, shedding his precious blood for my sins, who was also buried and raised again for my justification. I'm coming to you today, Father, and asking you to save me into your eternal kingdom and wash away all my sins. I surrender all. Into your hands, I commend my spirit. I surrender my whole life, my whole being, spirit, soul, and body to you right now, Heavenly Father. And I ask you to take me into your kingdom through the blood and the name above all names, Jesus Christ. My friend, we have a page on the website called Peace with God. It's up at the top menu bar. Also, if you've been saved before and you're away from God, we have one called Fresh Start with God, man. Incredible. He's not mad at you, and he wants nothing more than to restore all of his blessings to your life that he paid in full for and full with the blood of his only begotten son. Jesus now, having raised from the dead, lives at the right hand of the Father, living to make intercession for you who he purchased with his blood. Jesus ever lives to provide what he died to purchase for you, my friend. And the blessings, the benefits are out of this world. They're not only now either, they're in eternity. And they're not only in eternity, they are now. Let me just say this before we move on. You cannot and will not enjoy anything. I'm telling you out of it, first of all, from what the Word of God says. Second of all, from personal experience. You're not going to enjoy it. You could travel to every exotic, beautiful beach, mountainous area. You can go to Rome, Italy. You can go to Tuscany. You can go to Hawaii. You're not going to be happy. Why? You got a shamed, guilty heart that Jesus wants to clear, cleanse, and give you new life. And guess what? No matter where you are on this planet, you're going to have the joy of the Lord. You're going to have the love, the joy, and the peace of God ruling in your heart. Jesus said, but seek ye first. You got to put him first, which means you got to put yourself down. Seek ye first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. So woe unto those that are rich, that is in this world. Jesus had a lot to say to the rich in this world. And I encourage you to study that. In fact, if you put in the word rich on the website, safeguardyoursoul.com, you're going to find a wealth of biblical truth on that topic, including podcasts, etc. But woe unto you that are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, you shall hunger. In other words, in eternity, you're going to be without. You're going to be in hell, suffering. You're not going to ever have another drop of water, according to Jesus' teaching in Luke 16. You're going to suffer excruciating pain forever. You're going to pay for your own sins because you refused to humble yourself and repent and serve Jesus while on earth, the one who paid for your sins in full. And on the cross, he said, it is finished, which means paid in full. You know, I had a dream the other night, and I tell you what, I think it was probably from God. You judge that yourself. But somebody had, I think, called up, and a lot of people call. We talk on the phone and do ministry every day. This is an around-the-clock operation, praise God, involving several people who truly love Jesus and are learning to love him more. But the dream, and I don't talk about dreams, I, you know, got to be real careful about that. But this one, I think, is valid. You know, somebody called up and they rejected Christ. And I just started weeping in the dream. Now, I'm telling you, I'm praying for this kind of compassion because it isn't there yet. And I want it to be there. You know, Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw all the people and how they were like sheep without a shepherd. End of Matthew 9. Also, when he saw the state of Jerusalem, he wept. I don't know about you. I want the compassion of Jesus to begin to manifest in my life. And that comes from a deep brokenness through the cross life. And and look, why shouldn't we want to get rid of the flesh? I mean, it's done nothing but bring really horrible results and dividends, right? It's never paid anything good. But what does it brought? Death, separation from God, shame, guilt, you're miserable, you travel all over, you eat at all these amazing restaurants, you got all of these great vehicles and, you know, clothes and shoes, but you're still miserable. That can't fill your heart. You can only be satisfied. Bible uses the word satisfied many times. If you're going to put God first, as we've been talking here, put God first, friend, it's not going to work. What do you have to lose other than misery? Because if you're not serving Jesus, you're miserable, man. I can tell you from experience. So why are you holding on? Why not let go and let God? So in the dream, I mean, maybe God gave me this dream to have me pray, Lord. And I did. Lord, give me this kind of compassion. I was just weeping with this lady on the phone. I said, ma'am, why? Why would you reject Jesus who came from heaven to earth to shed his blood to save you? And it was more intricate than that. As Anyway, there was a deep compassion. And I don't know why I started saying that here in this message, but may God do that for each of us. Amen. The word compassion. You can look in on safeguardyoursoul.com and look up the word compassion compassion. Man, we got some stuff on that that'll just bless you big time. So I've got something here that really helps us, I believe, to see what's going on in this passage. That Our main passage here is Luke 6, 20. Just start there and read through 26. It gives the blessedness, the blessings, and then the rejoice, and then also the woes of Jesus. In the last half of this passage, again, Luke 6, beginning in verse 20. And, you know, here's a commentary I really like about this. Of these words spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 6, Believer's Bible Commentary notes the following. Listen to this. Jesus chose 12 disciples, he says, and sent them out poor, hungry, and persecuted. Can the world be evangelized that way? He asks, and the answer is yes. And in no other way. The Savior began with four 
blessings. And then he ended with four woes. He continues, blessed are ye poor, specifically ye. Not blessed are the poor, but blessed are ye poor, Jesus said. He continues, poverty itself is not a blessing. It is more often a curse. Here, Jesus was speaking about a self-imposed poverty for his sake. He was not speaking of people who are poor because of laziness, tragedy, or reasons beyond their control. No, rather, he was referring to those who purposely choose to be poor in order to share their Savior with others. I tell you what, man, that, that gives a lot of confirmation. That brings a lot of stuff right there home, right here. It may bring a lot of confirmation to some of you who are wondering, who labor. Our ministry supports a lot of fruitful ministering disciples. In fact, one this week called Friends with Sister Terry, who does has a full-scale ministry also down in Miami. And man, we're pumping Spanish and English Bibles, King James. In the Spanish, it's Reina Valera, the King James equivalent. And in Spanish, the Moments with Our Master, devotionals in English also, the Authentico, Authentic is also in Spanish and English, etc. But anyway, these people can relate. They're doing the work of the Lord, and they need our help. And what a blessed opportunity and privilege that we have to jump in there and support the kingdom and further the kingdom work of Christ. And let me, let me tell you, it keeps on expanding, praise God. We've got podcasts are now on the three big platforms uh, that serve up podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, and Google Podcasts. And we had over 5,000 downloads in the first month. That's a blessing. Anyway, reaching people with the word of God. That's what this is all about, folks. This ain't building nobody's kingdom except Christ by putting the Word of God in the hearts of men. So the commentator continues. He's talking about those who purposely choose to be poor in this world. That's who Jesus is addressing here in Luke 6, beginning in verse 20. And they do that in order to communicate the gospel. This gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said, shall be preached in all the world leading up to his return. That's exactly where we are, beloved saints. And you and I are blessed to be laborers together with God. And then he continues, when you think of it, it is the only only sensible, reasonable approach, he says. Suppose the disciples had gone forth as wealthy men. People would have flocked to the banner of Christ with the hope of becoming rich. That's what we see today among the false prophets, isn't it? He continues, as it was, the disciples could not promise them silver or gold. If they came at all, it would be in quest of spiritual blessings. So he's saying people that come to us aren't coming because we're handing out $100 bills. You know, I'm going to tell you, if somebody endowed the ministry with all kinds of money, I'd want to just go start handing it out. But I don't, that's not, we don't see that in the word. I'm not saying all that's bad, but we don't see that as a pattern in scripture. Peter said, silver and gold have we none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. That lame man that sat at the gate of beautiful, Acts chapter three. What a story that is, huh? Right after Pentecost, what explosive Holy Ghost power. So he said he was poor. He announced his poverty. The guy was looking on them to give him some money because he was lame. God was saying, and he worked through 
Peter and John, basically, I got something better than that, man. We're going to raise you up. You're going to be totally made whole. You're going to be washed of all your sins. And you're going to be able to go out and earn your own money. Isn't that a blessing? So he's saying here, as it was, the disciples could not promise them silver and gold because they weren't rich. If they came at all, if people came at all, it would be in quest of spiritual blessing. We don't want to entice people to come to Christ so that they can make a lot of money. You know, you got a lot of people peddling that kind of stuff in the word of faith movement. I used to do that as a very young Christian, and I'm glad that was a long time ago. I'm still embarrassed over that. I've got a message on the website called Confessions of a False Prophet. Just put in the word confessions, plural, and if you want to hear that. Anyway, also, he continues, also, if the disciples had been rich, they would have missed the blessing of constant dependence on the Lord and of proving his faithfulness. I'm telling you what, man, every one of you that does ministry knows exactly the richness of that statement that captures the truth of this passage. Let me read it again. Also, if the disciples had been rich, Jesus could have made them rich. Did Jesus even choose to be rich in this world? No. To pay the taxes, he had to go send Peter to and do a miracle with a gold coin or a coin to pay the taxes in the fish's mouth. Jesus had to borrow a donkey to ride into the city of Jerusalem to die for our sins. The Bible says in the end of Luke 9 that the Son of Man, Jesus said, hath nowhere to lay his head. Jesus didn't make himself rich in this world, and he doesn't want you doing the same. In fact, I love what it says in James 5. Hath not God chosen the poor in this world who are rich in faith? God wants us to be rich toward him, Luke 12. Not rich toward that. We're either rich toward God or self. It's one or the other. It's either the Savior or self. And the only way to be rich toward God is to be spiritually impoverished. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And in most cases, it's probably going to be done with a poverty of in this world, if you will. And that's what he's addressing here. As we finish this message from William McDonald, here it is. Also, if the disciples, I'm going to read this again, had been rich materially and monetarily in this world, they would have missed the blessing of constant dependence on the Lord and proving his faithfulness. I can tell you that. I cannot say amen enough. I don't even know how I'm here giving you this message. I have no idea other than the faithfulness of God. Let me just tell you that right now. The kingdom of God belongs, and many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know the hand of God. You're ready for these end times because you know how to trust God. I don't even know what to say, man. But he's always, even when people aren't, it's always, God always makes a way. You can't outgive God. And if you're giving yourself to him in ministry, he's going to make sure you're taken care of. And anybody supporting you is going to be blessed beyond measure now and forever. Because we're all doing it as unto the Lord. We plural, are laborers together with God. The kingdom of God, he says, he finishes, belongs to those who are satisfied with the supply of their current needs so that everything above that can go into the work of the Lord, in other words, everything they get above and beyond their basic needs, they can put it into the work of the Lord. Here's a resume. We'll try to come in for a landing here, beloved saints. Here's a resume. One of the resumes of Paul I often mention is in 2 Corinthians. Man, this is incredible. Give no offense, he says, beginning in verse 2. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. Given no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in, that's verse 3, I'm sorry, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, he's talking about himself and those who he ministered with. We got a group, in fact, many of you listening right now are part of that group, and others can be a part of it too. In any way that you help, we're all a part of the ministry of Christ, amen? But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, 
constant afflictions in necessities, in other words, lacking even basic necessities, in distresses, in stripes. He was beaten, I believe, three times with 39 stripes, he said, in imprisonments. Christians going to jail. We're seeing that more and more all over the, our nation now. Jesus said, some of you shall be thrown into jail. Revelation 2.10. Don't be, you pray for your brothers when that happens. Don't condemn them. No matter why they went to pray for them. Paul said, don't be ashamed of my chain. What does that mean? Don't be ashamed that I was put behind bars. It was for the testimony of Christ. And even if it wasn't, man, maybe God's putting them as we see in the end of Daniel 11 and Daniel 12. God's putting it in there so that they can truly repent and seek him and be purified and ready to meet Christ, man. God looks at the eternal things, not the temporal. You got only one place to look if you're thrown in jail, right? Which direction is that? Up. Got a lot of ugly in the other directions, right? You're thrown in there with people that you're not even, you didn't ask to be their roommate. Listen, by the way, we've got a a very blessed, fruitful prison ministry. We're constantly dropping the scripture-rich books into the prisons, man, every week. What a blessing. In imprisonments, in tumults, or all kinds of tumults, like in the book of Acts, he's talking about all those people. They wanted to kill him. In fact, the disciples had to let him down in a basket down this wall so he could escape. That was one instance of that. In labors, ministry is a lot of work. Oh, it's such a blessing, isn't it? But it's nonstop, man. It's so it's never, you never get finished. It's a blessing. And that's job security. In watchings, in fastings, fasting, you should be fasting every week if you're listening to me and you name the name of Jesus. By pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report. Isn't that what Jesus just told us in Luke 6? You're going to be shamed. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be lied about. You're going to be put outside their company. That's what he said, by honor and dishonor, honored by God, dishonored by men, by evil report, people lying about them, making up stuff. Satan's the accused user of the brethren, and good report, that is, before God and the body of Christ, as deceivers and yet true. Even Jesus was said he had a devil or was a devil, one or the other. Can you imagine? And Jesus said, if they did that to me, they're going to do it to you. But rejoice, man. That only proves that's a token of the manifest blessing of God on your life, because you are his, and the devil doesn't like it. As unknown and yet well-known, as dying, in other words, some hate us, some love us, God loves us, as dying, and behold, we live live as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful and yet always rejoicing, as poor, notice, as poor in this world. Paul wasn't rich and yet making many rich. Amen. Jesus himself became poor that we might be rich, that is rich in his kingdom. The book of Ephesians chapter one, notice chapter one of the book of Ephesians says, verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spirit blessings in heavenly places, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of, of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Verse 10 again, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich. In this book in the fourth chapter, verse
verse 12, speaking of the cross, Paul said, death worketh in us so that life might work in you. And that's how ministry works, beloved saints. Many listening to me, including myself, should further realize in an ever-deepening fashion that ministry happens when we decide to say, you must increase, Lord, I must decrease. See, that's the cross right there, decreasing. First, he increases. He initiates this and he empowers us, Romans 8, 13, by his spirit to be dead and buried, although we must consent and even pray for it and enact it. We're dead and buried. We got to agree and comply with God to be dead and buried. You are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God, Colossians 3, 3. And God anoints us to the burial like the perfume that was poured on Christ before his death and burial. And he anoints us with the spirit and enables this by his grace. And then he raises us up so that we're actually poor, yet making many rich. That is how? Monetarily? No. Spiritually rich. Notice we just read in Ephesians 1 about the spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Notice the word spiritual in verse 3, Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Anybody who's making, who's getting you to chase after the riches of this world is a tool of the devil to get you coveting greedily and running greedily after the things of this, this fleeting world. And it's going to damn your soul if you take the bait. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. No man can serve both God and mammon. And also Ephesians 5 says, a covetous man who is an idolater hath no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. I don't know how it could be any clearer than that. So as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Now, one man wrote this concerning that verse. He said, there was sorrow in connection with the ministry. And yet Paul, and that's what we've been talking about this whole time, because that's the context of our main text in Luke 6. Jesus is saying that those who give up their life in this world and serve him are going to mourn now, but they're going to laugh and rejoice for all eternity with him. That's the death, burial, and resurrection right there in a lifetime panoramic sense, if you will. There was sorrow in connection with the ministry, he says, and yet Paul was always rejoicing. Needless to say, he sorrowed over rejection of the gospel message, over the failures of God's people, and over his own shortcomings. Yet, he continues, yet when he thought of the Lord and the promises of God, there was always great cause to look up and rejoice. He continues, Paul was a poor man as far as this world's goods are concerned. We do not read of his having uh, property and wealth, yet think of the lives that have been enriched through his ministry. Wow. You and I are probably directly the fruit of Paul's ministry, of Christ through Paul. We definitely, not probably, we definitely are, because we're reading his words right here in these scriptures that we're reading today, divinely inspired. He said, though he possessed nothing, yet in a sense, he had all things that really counted, the things that really counted. In these climacteric sentences that we just read out of 2 Corinthians 6, one writer says, Paul lets his imagination loose and it plays like lightning on the clouds. What a beautiful passage. So as we close, what we have in this message today, in these passages and the communication of God to us through his word and by his spirit is that those who suffer now doing the will of God, putting God first no matter what, as first lover of our lives, are going to be blessed for all eternity. Those who are the enemies of the cross or 
minding earthly things, Philippians 3, 18 and 19, because their God is their belly or their carnal appetites. They put themselves first. They mind earthly things. And he told us that even weeping, that these are the enemies of the cross of Christ and their end is destruction. They're going to hell. But he says this in verse 20, Philippians 3, for our conversation, in other words, our whole way of life is what that means on this earth is in heaven from whence also we look for the savior the lord jesus christ who shall change our vile body this temporal body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body the eternal bodies we're going to get according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things to himself you know jesus taught that blessed are ye poor in our main passage out of luke 6 and he also taught in luke 12 take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life or his significance uh, uh, is not, consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. I want you to memorize that verse. It's Luke 12, 15. Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. Your life or significance is not based on what kind of car you drive, what kind of house you live in, how many times you get to travel every year, or anything else in this fleeting world. You are Christ and your name is written in heaven. And Luke 10 tells us, Jesus said, we are to rejoice that our names are written in heaven. Before we close, I want to read this passage out of Hebrews 11. You know, this is right there in the middle of the hall of faith, all of these celebrated saints from the Old Testament. And listen to this. Others had trial of cruel mockings. We talked about earlier in our main passage, the woes upon those who cause suffering upon God's people, and also about the rejoicing when we suffer persecution and even poverty in this life. For the kingdom of God is yours. Why? Because you've ransomed your lives, as it says of Paul and other believers who minister with him, to make sure people got the word of God, to serve the king of heaven. That's who you serve. And he said, blessed are ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed, that is, those that are doing the work of God. Blessed are ye that weep now. You're going to laugh. You're blessed when men hate you, persecute you, etc. In light of that, as we close, Hebrews 11, 36 through 39, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. That's the people of God that he's now celebrating as heroes of the faith. And this is like the hall of faith, if you will, in heaven. Yea, moreover, of bonds, they were bound, chained down, and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder, cut in half. Wasn't that Isaiah? They were tempted. They were slain with a sword. This is God's people. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. That's all they had to put on. That's all the clothes they had, folks. They had to get it from animals. Being destitute, that means having nothing. Afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains. Think about it. They had no home to live in. They lived in caves, deserts, and in mountains, in the wilderness, and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise and yet they still endured and followed the Lord, even though it cost them everything in this world. And, you know, this is before Jesus came. All of these people he's talking about here in the Old Testament. And they didn't have the blessed Holy Spirit living in them. Remember, Jesus said that it's better that he dies and goes away and goes
goes back to the Father, because then he's going to send the Holy Spirit to live in each one of us and empower us to walk with him and to do his work. John 16, 7, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Then it says in the last verse, Hebrews eleven forty, as we close, God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So God had reserved something better for us in the New Testament under the New Covenant. He had arranged that they should not be made perfect apart from us. They never did enjoy a perfect conscience as far as sin was concerned, that is. That's because Jesus had to come shed his blood, and then he cleansed our conscience all the way down to the conscience. Not only forgives our sins, but cleanses us from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9, Hebrews 9, 14, etc. Look up the word conscience, obviously, and always in the King James Bible. And they will not enjoy the full perfection of the glorified body in heaven until we are all caught up with the Lord to meet him in the air. The spirits of the of some of the Old Testament saints are already perfect in the presence of the Lord, according to Hebrews 12, 23, which says the, the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven and to the God, to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. But their bodies will not be raised from among the dead until the Lord returns for his people, but their spirits are in heaven. Then they will rejoice in the perfection of of his resurrection glory. Or we could say the Old Testament believers were not as privileged as we are. John 1.17 says the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And they looked forward to him, but they were gone before he came. Yet think of their thrilling triumphs and tremendous trials they suffered, as we just read in Hebrews 11. Think of their exploits, and all about Paul and what Jesus promised. Think of their exploits and their endurance. I mean, you know, Elijah had 16 miracles, I believe, and Elijah had the double anointing, and he had 32. Amazing. They lived on the other side of the cross. We live in the full glory of the cross, beloved saints. Yet how do our lives compare to theirs? We have theirs on record. How do our lives look compared to theirs? This is the challenge of Hebrews chapter 11. Blessed are the ye poor, beloved, as you suffer in this life of following Christ. Always remember that he said to rejoice, man. You got nothing but laughter coming. God's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. There's going to be no more sorrow, death, or pain of any type. 1 Corinthians 2.9, the Apostle Paul says, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the hearts of men the things which God has prepared for them that love him. In Jesus' name. And as Jesus said, remember, beloved, to rejoice when you're persecuted for his name's sake and for doing his work when you're made to be impoverished. He said, leap for joy. Your reward is great in heaven. So did the prophets of old suffer in such manner. Luke chapter 6. God bless you, my friends. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and 
your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.